Hi everyone, welcome to the 7-Day Workweek, the Labor After Labor podcast. Today we're going to be talking about privileges that we have as stay-at-home moms. Liz, what quote did you find this week? Yeah, I thought it would be really productive to start out the episode with a basic definition of privilege. I think privilege is, um, at this contemporary moment, talked about a lot in society, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is. I find when I talk to people about privilege, they sometimes think like, if I say that they might have had privileges or that I have privileges, that they, they say something like, well, that doesn't mean my life hasn't been hard. I've gone through all of these things. And in Acknowledging privilege isn't to say that your life hasn't been hard. It's um, it's it's really not about that. So I have a a kind of working definition from a, a person named Sean Ferguson who writes with this um, blog called EverydayFeminism.com, um, and uh, Ferguson defines privilege as uh, quote a set of unearned benefits given to people who fit into a specific social group. So we'll kind of use that uh, as we talk about this, because we realize that as stay-at-home moms, we didn't necessarily earn any of these privileges. I didn't work hard to get some of the privileges that we're talking about, but just because we are in the social group of stay-at-home mothers, we just get these privileges. Um, And on the flip side, we'll also kind of talk about uh, the things that we lose out on, because whatever social group, you know, there's a give and take, depending on what position you occupy in society, Um, And so we'll also talk about the things that we've lost, the privileges we've lost as stay-at-home mothers. Um, Emily, do you want to add anything about, like, kind of your thoughts about privilege um, before we get into our list? Yeah, with everything going on right now and the way that the world is right now, it's almost kind of like I'm almost hesitant to, or I was telling Liz that I'm hesitant to come out and be like, I feel privileged, or I am someone that as a stay-at-home mom have privileges because I feel like, I don't know, it's almost like showboaty or braggy or like, I just don't like putting myself in that light to say like, I have blank, I have, you know. Um, But Liz made a great point even before we started talking where it's like, in order to break down those barriers and in order to like, um, almost normalize privilege or just kind of like, make it okay, you have to say like, I have privileges. Or just an example, like a woman walking to her car is nervous because there may be a man walking in the parking lot behind her. And a man never has to say, like, I'm concerned about that in that scenario because I'm concerned that I would be attacked. That's a privilege. Whereas women are saying, I am concerned that I have to be, you know, aware of these things. So just pretty much like acknowledging privileges, saying that I myself as someone part of a group is privileged really just kind of like takes that negative kind of connotation off the word and almost builds it up. So yeah, as stay-at-home moms, we have specific privileges that you're right, we did not work for. We luckily have because our husbands do work. Um, We have a list of 14 here that I'm sure we'll come up with more as we talk. Um, But just to jump in with the first one, as stay-at-home moms, we have the privilege of no longer dealing with workplace pressure, deadlines, bosses, workplace anxiety, or workplace politics, which is huge. Um, huge. Huge. I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but like at least at my last job, there were deadlines. There was a ton of politics. There was a ton of stressors. There was a ton of like backstabbing, and it was it was just not the 
best work environment. So to say that I no longer have to deal with all of the politics involved with my job is amazing. It takes so many stressors off my life. Liz, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I remember so many times, um, being at home about ready to go to bed and seeing that I got a, an email from a parent or from a coworker and just being instantly angry, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, having to deal with that. Um, and I know that like we talked about this in the first episode, like one of the biggest things for me for deciding to not go back to work was, when I came home from my job, I was short with my partner. I was stressed. I was tired. Um, I had trouble controlling my, um, my anger if something bad happened at work that day. And I would just kind of get myself into this place of like being really upset. And I just don't think that, uh, it would be fair, uh, to parent my child in that way. Now, um, ideally maybe I could have been able to figure out how to cope with that, or maybe it was the job. Like maybe it's like a different workplace wouldn't have produced that in me, but the job that I was in, it it would just, it wouldn't have been fair, um, to my family for me to be, uh, so anxious at the end of the day and then trying to come home and do all the things that are required of adults to take care of a home and to Mm -hmm. take care of a, of a, of a baby. Um, So it's a huge privilege to say, you know what, I'm going to step away from that and I'm going to focus on um, me, the kid, and not have anxiety from that, uh, that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things that I feel like that my husband has to constantly reassure himself and redo is to make sure not to bring work home. He is a first responder and that's a privilege that he doesn't get. He has to see these things at work and he has to deal with these stresses at work and he has to make sure that when he leaves, you know, he comes home and he's daddy and he's fun and he's bubbly. And that's mm-hmm. a privilege that we don't have to, you know, we don't have to do that. Like we just get to be fun and bubbly and like the number one parent all the time. We don't even have to worry about like, you know, I did X, Y, and Z at work and I have to do this tomorrow. Like we don't have that. Who cares? You know? Yeah. It reminds me actually of number two that we have on this list. So what we have is you can 100% focus on your child because it's really hard to do two things well. So you get to put all your energy towards that. And um, yeah, I just, I remember people saying to me before I got pregnant, they were like, you know, Liz, when you're at work, after you have a kid, your give a damn's going to be busted. You're not going to be caring so much about yeah all these students because you're going to have your own kid. And I just, I always was like, okay, that's cool. But also I have a hard time not throwing myself 100% into things. And I like low key a little bit judge coworkers when they don't, aren't really passionate, especially because, you know, in the teaching field, it's like, it's such, you know, it's such a personal thing. You have so much like connection with the kids and like to, you know, have my give a damn be busted is like, well, then why am I doing this? Um, and, uh, so like, I didn't, I also didn't want to be the kind of teacher that was giving 25% because you have so much, um, so many demands at home. Yeah. And I also feel like a lot of the times, especially when it comes to women in the workforce, when you start doing that and you quote unquote, give it your give a damn is busted. I love that. Um, (laughs) 
the people at work, your bosses, your coworkers, start viewing you in a negative light because you're no longer giving 110%. You're putting some of that focus towards your child or, you know, housework, your husband, your partner. And you're then seen as someone who's not 100% there. And in turn, like, should you be given promotions and opportunities? And should you go up in the company? And it ends up hurting you in the long run rather than helping. Yeah, you get the reputation for being the person who isn't giving their all. And in, um, this was something we talked about in the first episode with uh, this writer called Pamela Stone, who wrote the book Opting Out, um, about why women were leaving the workforce in the 21st century. Um, and that's what she talked about. She talked about um, you, you have to be really flexible if you're a working mom. And that flexibility in the workplace is seen as laziness or not being a 100% team player. Um, and so, yeah, as a, as a stay at home mom, you have the privilege of leaving all of that anxiety about not being seen as a team player, um, not putting all your all in having the boss be on your back, all of that just sort of evaporates, which is kind of lovely. Yeah, it is pretty lovely. And, um, yeah, can't do two things. Well, it's, it's a true statement. I feel, especially for me, I'm someone, um, we've mentioned this in previous episodes that like I have anxiety. So when I get my head on something, I do that 100%. So, so to come home personally and try to run my household and not saying that my husband wouldn't help because I know he would, but to do everything I need to do at home, as well as doing everything that I need to do at work, I don't think I would be able to function well. And I really don't think that I would, I don't want to say I wouldn't be a good mom because that's bullshit, but like, I'd be a good mom. But like personally, I wonder if like my mental health, my physical health, like I would struggle. Mm -hmm. So like, it's nice. It's a huge, we're going to say privilege about 80 billion times in this episode, but it's a huge privilege to not have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, The next thing we have is more involved in school activities, AKA super mom. So um, our kids are obviously, you know, one and infant. So we don't have that right now, but um, what kind of experiences do you have maybe like tying in the teachers or the parents that like you experienced in school? Like, did you have any of those super moms while you were teaching that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, and I do think that that's something of a double-edged sword um, in a school community because like, on the one hand, you, because you're completely involved, you know what's going on. You know who the teachers are. You know what the deadlines are. If your kid has trouble organizing things, you can really be there to help. Um, not to say that a working parent can't do that, but it's just so much easier to um, be mindful of all that things when you don't have your own workplace deadlines alongside of it. Uh, you get to go on field trips, right? You get to meet um, other other kids that your kid is interacting with. Um, so that's all really great. I guess the double-edged sword part that I'm thinking of is sometimes I think that that can read, and this is just maybe some advice to some super moms out there, that can sometimes read as kind of helicopter mommy and extra, where... Um, teachers are like, okay, calm down. Um, especially if it translates into, I would not say these are super moms, but there's certain moms who are 
Um, there's a new term outside, like not a helicopter mom, but a steamroller parent where they just try and like clear the way for their kids so that they have no struggles whatsoever and everything is easy for them. So, you know, you have a, be, being a former teacher, you know, there's there's parents I've encountered where, uh, you know, the, the kid fails a test and they start, you know, sort of demanding retakes and all of these extra time and all of these things and make excuses for why their kid didn't have these things and didn't have their exam in order. And it sh that's a whole different thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the steamroller parent, but we're talking about a parent who really, because you don't have your own workplace stuff, it's just a lot easier for you to be involved. I don't know if we're, I was talking to my mom about this episode or some episode previous. Um, and she, my mom was someone who would take like 18 months off and then go back to work. So with each kid, she did like 18 months or so. And then um, she would do some kind of like part-time work um, until we were older. But anyway, um, she, one of the things that she loved when we were younger because she was working part-time was she was able to do the like fun field trips to the zoo and the pumpkin farm and do all these things. And it's, I I can't wait for that. Like I can't wait to be, involved in Charlie's school and go on all these like field trips with her and see it firsthand because I don't know I want to see that I want to see everything that's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm being a stay-at-home mom but it's like to have the ability to be as involved as I so choose is great number four we say one of the privileges is you don't have to worry about your appearance uh also known as you can kind of let yourself go a bit um <laughs> It's, it's, uh, it's nice to not have to worry about uh, what professional outfit you're going to put on for work the next day. Uh, I spend a lot of my time in yoga pants and, um, you know, there's, there's, you don't have that. Um, I have to make myself polished for the world right. anxiety. Yeah. I mean, other than the occasional, like, Ooh, God, I should probably take a shower. Um, I, yeah, I'm a leggings and t-shirt kind of gal and uh, Charlie doesn't care. So I don't care. Number five was making sure a privilege that we would hit all the milestones, see all the milestones and be at every holiday. Um, that was huge for me when I was thinking about being a stay-at-home mom because I was in the healthcare industry. So holidays were not guaranteed for me. Um, if I wanted a holiday off, I almost had to fight for it. Um, and I didn't want to miss holidays. My Again, I've mentioned earlier, my husband's a first responder and he 100% does not get holidays, does not get birthdays, does not get weekends. So um, to me, having two parents gone on a holiday, I couldn't do that. Like I couldn't do that to Charlie. That's that's terrible. And I know she's one, so she wouldn't even know. But like me, that's terrible. So like game changer for me, that's a huge privilege to be on, be there for holidays. Yeah, and just to add on to that, because what we put here was milestones slash holidays, which really are two different things. But it's like, it's the things you remember, right? I can't, I can't get over how much like I talked to my mom and she's like, oh my God, I don't even remember that uh, about something like I'll say about my childhood or I'll say about the baby. And she'll be like, oh yeah, that's a thing that babies do. And it's like, you forget so much, but there's something about the marker of a Thanksgiving, the marker of a Halloween, um, where it's like you're building memories around those events. 
Um, and so it's really nice to be able to have them. Um, and like, while you were talking, like you, like another privilege rears its head where it's like certain industries allow you to have those holidays off as default and other industries don't like you and Mike were, uh, Mike is working and you were working in industry where you did not have those holidays. Whereas Jason and I, cause Jason works in, um, like a corporate setting and I was a teacher. We always had holidays off. Um, of course, the one caveat for that is not like I think of my Jewish students and it's like they are always like complaining, like, you know, we don't get Rosh Hashanah off. Um, we don't get Yom Kippur off. And it's like it's it's real. Like there's there's privileges all over pockets of society. And so because, you know, I grew up Catholic and I celebrate Christmas, like I had no issue as a teacher to get Christmas off. And I always got to spend Christmas with my family. Whereas if you're in the service industry, like when I was a slave to Starbucks for six years, I never, you know, all that stuff, you know, you had to show up or at least work a half day. Um, and so that's a whole other thing. Um, and then milestones. Do you want to maybe talk about like baby milestones that you have the privilege, how that intersects with privilege and being a stay-at-home mom? Yeah, it's a huge privilege to see all of her milestones. Before we even did this podcast, I was talking to Mike downstairs and I was like asking him, I was like, do you think I'm privileged? And he's like, hell yeah. I was like, okay, well, thank you. And um, I asked him, I said, are you, you know, do you ever miss something? And he said, yeah, I'm bummed I missed the milestones. And I just think that's funny because honestly, he's lucked out. Like he's seen her walk. He's seen her crawl. Um, He's, I think he missed like first foods. Like he missed like little milestones. Like he was here for first bath, but like he lucked out on milestones. But that's huge. Like, even for him to say, like, you know, a, a man and I don't care and I don't have feelings or whatever, like, for him to even be like, yeah, I'm going to miss all these milestones. Like, it's true. It sucks. It sucks to be working and it sucks to miss out on these things and see them later through someone else's eyes. Yeah. I remember um, my mom told me that my aunt, because she was, my aunt was a working mom and her friend babysat the kids while she was at work. And when her first daughter walked, um, her, the babysitter said, Oh my God, Sarah walked today. And she was like, why did you tell me that? Don't tell me that. Just let me think that the first time was the first time. And you know, it's like, that's still sort of, that's still upsetting to her. So being able to be home, um, you know, you, 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 because you're the primary caretaker, you're going to be there for those firsts. And that's really, that's a special thing that no one can ever take away from you once you've experienced it. Um, and, and it's like that, that memory making thing. That's really what life is all about, frankly. Uh, number six, open, we can kind of do like six and seven, maybe together. So like open schedule slash ability to schedule doctor's appointments whenever you need is so great. Um, it's silly, but I honestly, it's not even silly. I'm not even going to start that sentence that way. Like, it's not silly um, to just have a completely open schedule with zero interruptions other than a doctor's appointment here, something here um, is wonderful. It's so nice. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's all kinds of appointments, right? It's like, it's like that mommy and me, um, like, I don't know, Jimboree class that you want to take at 2 PM on Tuesdays at the Y, like, first of all, I don't know why they schedule those things. Cause most people are working moms, but, 
often they're in the middle of the day. And the only way that you can really do that um, is, is if you have that open schedule that you can do those things. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I would have a doctor appointment. I'd have to schedule a doctor appointment and they would be like, oh no, our office closes at four. And I'd be like, well, I, you don't have any late appointments. And it'd be like, no. And it would be like, so I have to take off work to go to the dentist. And like, that's really challenging for everyone, no matter what sector you're in having to take off. I, well, I suppose there's some that are easier than others, but I have never been in a workplace where it's just a breeze to take off work and go to a doctor appointment in the middle of the day. There's paperwork to be filed. There's coverage to be gotten. Um, and it's, it's a giant stressor. Um, and so having that open schedule for, you know, not only your doctor appointments, but of course the, the kids' doctor's appointments and any other extracurriculars you have, you're able to facilitate that in a way that's not like crazy stressful. You're not running from one place to the other. Absolutely. Yeah. And you were talking about this earlier where it's like, you know, for example, for a doctor's appointment, you know, maybe you can take a half day or whatever, but yeah, you'd have to find coverage. You'd be eating through your PTO or any kind of like time mm -hmm. off that you have just for doctor's appointments or your child's doctor's appointments or, mm -hmm. you know, my child is sick, da, 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 da. I have to take the day off. And again, it kind of like goes back to what we originally were saying about like workplace pressures and uh, workplace politics and everything. And in turn, it makes you look like a bad worker. If you're taking all these half days mm -hmm. and you're taking sick days off of your kids and you're trying to schedule all these things and juggle all these things, it's like, are you committed? Like your boss will be like, are you committed? Are you part of the team? Are you doing this? Yes. I'm just trying to balance myself and do some kind of flexible schedule. So the next one we have here is a huge privilege um, because, yeah, I think it's almost impossible if you are both a full-time worker and a mother to um, explore hobbies. Um, you, It's like really hard, I think, to fit those kinds of things in uh, when you're a full-time mother and a full-time worker. And so um, you don't have... There's also this added thing where with a, a hobby isn't like, you know, you don't have to feel pressure to like earn income or produce something from it. There's just kind of personal joy wrought from exploring a hobby. Um, yeah, that, that you don't, it, it's really hard to explore hobbies, I think, as a worker and a mother. Yeah, absolutely. Even like before being a stay-at-home mom, it was just like, oh, what do you like to do in your free time? What's your hobby? And I'm just like, I don't have time for a hobby. Like, I almost feel like I don't have time for a hobby now either. But like, this is my hobby. This is something that I never would have done prior to um, having the time as a stay-at-home. Like, I never would have been like, hey, Liz, you want to do a podcast? Like, I, that wouldn't, fat, that wouldn't come into my head. But yeah, like to say, what is your hobby? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, my hobby mm -hmm. is going to work and coming home and going to bed. I don't, yeah. I don't have a yeah. hobby. I felt that in the past too, when people ask me my hobbies and I have like this like choking sensation. I'm like, what are my hobbies? I don't know. <laughs> drinking wine <laughs> hobby. But yeah, like, right. Like the, the work that it takes into putting these podcasts together, um, advertising them all of these things, this is, there's, there's, there's hours involved that I, I don't think we'd have time to do. If we were and not even the time, but I almost feel like 
I would be too bogged down by my job that I would be like, I don't want to take on a hobby. Like I have so much going on for my job in the first place. Like I don't want to take another thing on. Yeah, no, it's that energy thing where it's like, I'm too tired at the end of the day. It was like the number one where it's like all that workplace pressure, like it takes it out of you. Even if, you know, I think people think of like, just to go back to this teacher thing again, I think people think of like teachers, like getting off work at three o'clock and then it's like, you have your whole day and it's like, well, what are you trying? It's like, first of all, no good teacher leaves at three o'clock. Let's be real. Like we're there till five or six and then often grading when we get home. And it's like, it's, if you're tired, you're really tired. And so even if you had a few hours in the evening free to cultivate a hobby, you're too tired to do it, I think. Uh, number nine, not dealing with the weather. We um, are located in Illinois, so we deal with the Chicago winter. So not dealing with that unless we want to is huge, is so huge. Yeah. I, uh, I... <laughs> I had a 45 minute commute to work every day and it was just in bumper to bumper Chicago, dirty street traffic. And when there would be like a snow in the early mornings, first of all, you'd inevitably be late. And like some of my coworkers who are like more together human beings would be like, didn't, why didn't you wake up early? And it's like, how do you know to wake up early? Cause it's snowing. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, don't you check the weather beforehand? I'm like, no. And I also don't lay out my outfit beforehand and like meditate on my day. What do you do? What kind of life do you have? <laughs> I wake up at the time I wake up, I hit snooze two or three times. And then I dash around the house like a crazy person to get ready. When I open the door and I go, fuck, it's snowing. That's a whole brand new surprise that I'm encountering. Okay. So I'm late. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, just traffic is horrible. And like, you know, you have to, you remember like having to bring an extra set of shoes to work? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there was also like a big period of my life before I had a car where I was riding public transit for like eight years of my life and just like waiting for the bus in the rain on the way to work. And then you just like, if you didn't bring shoes, you'd like work in wet shoes all day. It was just... <laughs> that was awful and when you're when your home base is your work base like you no, that's not a thing that you have to deal with is the weather and the commute and all of the anxiety that comes along with that there's days I don't put shoes on there's days I don't put a coat on when we were doing the brainstorm of initially on this it was raining and I was like oh didn't know it was gonna rain today like do not care it does not affect me whatsoever occasionally my daughter is pissed that we can't go outside and walk around but other than that, it could be blizzarding and my day will continue as normal. Yes. Yeah. And I, and it's, and you have the privilege too of finally understanding why people like rain. That was something that would always make me very angry where people would be like, oh, I love the rain. And it's like, why do you have nowhere to go? Do you just <laughs> stay at home cozying up with a book? Like, cause that's the only time I think rain is pleasant. Like I don't, you're soaking wet and you're disgusting. No, that's not good. So yeah, you can, I think you, all of that weather and commute and that outside thing um, is no longer, you know, a hindrance to, to you getting through your day. Um, so number 10 we have here, this is one of my favorite privileges that we enjoy, which is that your household runs more smoothly. I might be the odd duck in this conversation because again, with anxiety, 
the way I cope with things is to clean. So I always have had a very clean house. Um, however, it's very nice to be able to kind of loosen up a little bit and be like, oh, I'll get to laundry when I get to laundry. I'll clean when I get to clean. Like I still do it. Don't get me wrong. Like my house is still clean. But rather than me violently scrubbing my countertops at 930 at night because I have to get it clean after dinner, I just get to do it when I do it, you know, um, which is huge. And it just makes everything calmer. It makes the like feeling of the house calmer. Everything's just where it's supposed to be. It's just ah, it's perfect. I totally agree. There's just when you have a home that is in order, there is a sense of calm that cannot be achieved when you have a cluttered or a messy house. And I always, 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 when I was working full time, my house was a mess. There was just, you know, the, the dining room table was always covered with mail or, um, you know, maybe an Amazon box. And um, I, I don't know, just I don't even know how, how, how stuff gets on it. Or then there's a basket of laundry where you're like, I should fold that laundry, but you're too tired to fold the laundry. So you don't fold the laundry. And then by the time you fold it, everything's wrinkled. And it's like, when your labor of childcare takes place in the home, you're able to much more easily balance the labor of childcare with domestic labor. Um, it's not all only happening at the bookends of the day or on the few hours that you have on a weekend. You're able to sort of schedule it um, and take care of it. So I, I, I always had, like I would like clean big time a few times every month to try and stay on top of things. But a lot of the times in between, it was just a mess. Um, and now my house is always clean. My house is always in order um, because I'm, I'm able to schedule it properly. And it's just, it's so much tranquility having that. It really is. Um, and I can't, it's maybe my favorite thing about being home. Yeah. It's, I, I can't, I, you know, it's my sanity to have my house clean. Um, and I understand a lot of that is me. However, it's just, it's so nice to be like, okay, today I'll do like, she's napping, I'll throw a load in, I'll run the vacuum, I'll do this. Like, it's just so nice to be able to be on your schedule to do whatever needs to be done when it needs to be done. But you're not, you're right, it's not done at the bookends of the day. It's just kind of like, oh, I have time. Sure, I'll run the dishwasher. Kind of going into number 11, organization. Well, I was just thinking, I, um, I maybe I'll post pictures on the Instagram or something, but I have a junk drawer, as many people do in the world. Um, and I, this weekend, um, got like little silicone like organizers for the junk drawer and like emptied the entire junk drawer and like organized like the pens that still work the markers, the pencils, like the staples and paper clips have their own little bin. There's like, you know, it's just like, it's beautiful and functional in a way that like it never has been. And like, you know, that I've been thinking about doing that to that junk drawer for maybe five years. Like, this is not like a sudden epiphany I had this weekend where I was like, oh, I'm going to organize the junk drawer. It was like, I have been wanting to do this for five years and who has time to think about what little organize you're going to do and like, don't. and like, that's the other thing. It's like, as you go through these tasks and doing them, like, or for instance, like, 
you know, cleaning the kitchen cabinet fronts. It's like, it doesn't take that much time, but it feels so daunting when you are so tired that you never do it. And it just gets pushed and gets pushed and gets pushed. And so like having the time to organize just makes your life so much smoother and calmer. No, yeah, organization. I totally agree. So when COVID started, um, granted, I know it was like everyone was super quarantining at that time, but I made it a task that every day I'd go through a different room and I'd organize. And like the junk drawer was so satisfying because you're right. It's something you like open. You're like, shit, I can't find a working pen. And you go through like eight pens or like there's a random candle in there. Like, why the hell is there a candle in there? But it's just so satisfying when you have that list or that little like voice in the back of your head. that's like, oh, yeah, your closet is a fucking disaster. And you get to go in there and make it look so nice. Uh, number 12, accountable only to yourself, your goals, and your responsibilities. We should probably amend this that, of course, you're also accountable to your kid. Yeah, as I was reading that, I was like, wait a minute. But I think when we were writing this, it was more so like your goals, your responsibilities, you're able to just kind of take them on and do them as needed. It's not like other than maybe like your husband being like, you didn't do this, which no husband does. You know, you don't have a boss over your shoulder saying like, why didn't you get this done? There's the deadlines are gone. So really the accountability is just on yourself, which is great. Well, it kind of folds into the first one where it's like all that workplace stuff goes. Um, But yeah, you're accountable to what you decide you want to be accountable to. If you decide today is the junk drawer and packing up, you know, old newborn clothes that don't fit anymore, that's what you're doing that day. And you don't, nothing else is going to really come in the way of that. Yeah, which is really lovely. This was something that you brought up, um, this one we have for number 13, because Mike had said it to you. Do you want to talk about this privilege as a stay-at-home mom? Yeah. uh, Again, when I asked him, I said, am I privileged? And he said, hell yeah. And I said, why? And he said, because you don't have to deal with COVID. I'm like, wow, you're right. Like, um, other than the grocery store, which a lot of times um, I actually do online pickup. So I don't even really do the grocery store. I don't deal with people. So I don't have really to do like the mask thing. I don't really have to do hand. I mean, of course I do hand washing. That's stupid. But like you don't have the day in to day out worries that everyone has with COVID. Yeah, no, I'm, I actually, since Margo has been born, Jason usually does the grocery store. Um, and I like give him a list and he goes and um, brings stuff home, but I don't have to worry about COVID a lot. And because I also was privileged before when I was pregnant um, to be able to work from home because my school district did remote learning, um, I, I also didn't have to be constantly exposing myself and, you know, my unborn baby to, to COVID, um, which just like reminds you of other privileges in society where it's like, those grocery store workers and people in healthcare and first responders, they are putting themselves in danger every single day, themselves and their immediate family members in danger every single day. And it's like, you know, if you're like living with a, a parent who has a preexisting condition or something like that, and you have to show up to your job at Juul every day, um, that's, that's scary. 
that's really scary. And um, so we are, you know, free from that constant exposure. We can really control, um, you know, the, the spread of the virus into our own homes, which is just frankly, I mean, what bigger privilege is there to not be worrying about your health? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Um, we've had a few scares and especially um, when all this has started, we definitely had to change like our routines with Mike coming home and his uniform and showering and things like that. Um, but other than any outside exposure that he might be bringing in, which is still pretty high, I definitely understand that. I myself have not had to do that and nor has my daughter. Like my daughter's gone out I don't know in the past eight months, like three times, like she doesn't, she doesn't go out. So she has like very little exposure to COVID, which is huge. Um, that's a privilege that we have as stay-at-home moms and as stay-at-home moms with a partner, because if you're a single mom or something like that, like you have to do grocery stores, you have to bring your kids out, you have to do these things. And we don't, we don't have. Yeah. Which brings us to number 14, which is probably unless there's a very few circumstances if you are a stay-at-home mom you are also probably not a single parent um you it's it's almost necessary especially in this country because of the way that benefits shake out that if you are a stay-at-home parent you must have a partner um this isn't an option for you um if you're a single parent which is a huge privilege to have another adult in the house to lean on. I mean, to lean on emotionally, to lean on financially, um, to not have that person. I mean, I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing, like just hands down. And we've talked about this, that in some um, more socialist leaning European countries, there's uh, public benefits um, and stipends given to parents who decide to stay home. And so like you have the luxury in some countries to say, I'm going to be a stay-at-home parent and my income will be from the government. Whereas in this country, um, that's nearly impossible. There is a program that I found um, that I hadn't heard of before. It's called TANF. Um, it stands for Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. And so you can get some money um, if you have a kid under the age of one and you are not working. But if your child is over the age of one and you want to continue to qualify for uh, TANF benefits, you have to have a job. Um, and so it's like this position where, and like, it's not very much money. So it's also like you're kind of kept in this impoverished position and only for a short period of time. If you, if you want to be the primary caregiver for your child, it's not really an option. You have to work. And then it has to be low enough that you still qualify for those needy family benefits. So you're not making a lot of money. And then you're also having to pay for childcare or lean on a family member to um, take care of uh, your child. Um, so again, it's just like a huge privilege that we have partners that, uh, again, I, we are not rich by any means. We're living very modestly, um, but you know, I have a partner and you have a partner where like we can budget and make it work so that we can be the primary caregivers to our kids. Those are our personal um, privileges, what we came up with, but we're always happy to hear what you may think um, some of those privileges may be being a stay-at-home mom or as stay-at-home moms. 
But then let's get into the flip side. So let's talk about some things that, you know, you lose. Yeah, because I think at this point, if you're listening, you're like, these bragging ass bitches. It's like, right? yeah, like, but, and again, it's like what we said at the top of the of the hour. It's like, it is unproductive to sit in a position of privilege and pretend like it's not privileged. Like right. we have things that like we did not earn. I didn't earn having being able to see milestones any more than a working mom did, but I get to, I get to enjoy that. Um, but on the flip side of that, that's not to say that it's a big breeze and we're sitting there doing nothing, um, which is exactly not what, pri- that's, that's what like privilege criticism is about. It's like knowing what you have that's an advantage and also being able to acknowledge what disadvantages you have in that social group. Um, do you want to start? Do you want to start going through this list of what we lose as stay-at-home mothers? Sure. Uh, the first one, um, I know you had a story, kind of your mom had a story about this. Uh, do you want to start that one? Yeah, as I've said before, my mom uh, was a stay-at-home mom, um, and she um, is really still kind of a stay-at-home mom because I have an adult sister who's um, autistic. And so I remember, in especially in high school, my sister's like ability to complete school projects was it wasn't there. There, like I would go home a lot when I was in college and even beyond college to help her with her homework because she couldn't get it done. Um, and like all of like the deadlines for a big project, they became my mom's anxieties because her primary job is taking care of kids. So with my sister like having to get something done, like my mom would be worrying about the science fair project all of the time. Um, and it was just, it was just really hard for her because yes, you don't have the workplace deadlines anymore that we talked about in the beginning, but you have your kids deadlines. And so all of that, which again, is not to say that working moms don't have those, but I, I think that when you are a stay at home mom and those are the only deadlines really in your life, there's a way in which you sort of zero in on them and focus on them more and probably is what creates the stereotype of the helicopter parent where it's like you're worried about that stuff all the time. Well, it's like, well, yeah, those are your immediate things that you have to answer to is making sure your kid studies for that history exam. Um, so that anxiety becomes yours. It's your kid's job is your job. That's fair. That's fair. Something you lose, a sense of self adult interaction slash solving adult problems and your identity as a worker. Um, which is all things that come tied into your job. I don't know. I think, again, I think this may be more to you because like my last job, although it was a job, it wasn't like my career. Like it was just a job, you know, like it was paying the bills and everything and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, yeah, it was my identity, but it wasn't like, Ooh, this is what I went to school for. This is my life. So like, what, how do you feel? Sense of self loss or identity loss through your job? I, uh, I feel like, who am I? Um, I, I, I don't know. It's like, if I'm not a teacher that's helping kids, who am I? Um, and it's like, okay, well, you know, you're a mom and that's like a fulfilling thing in itself. And like part of the problem of what we're talking about with like the opinion of stay at home mothers and like, the anxiety and kind of weird position they occupy in American society is that we wrap so much into worker identity, right? Like the question, what do you do is presumed to be, what do you do in the workplace? 
Like that's what that question means. And so if you are not a worker and someone in American society asks you, what do you do? It's like, uh, nothing. Um, I mean, wait, I'm a mom. And it's like, I, right. And yes. And there's all these weird negative connotations with saying that you're a homemaker. Uh, yeah, that's a dated term. I don't care for it all. Um, and, uh, and so, so yes, you've, you've lost that social identity. Um, and that is really hard to deal with. Um, and we also have on here, like this adult interaction thing and solving adult problems, like, especially since you've been doing this about a year longer than I have. Um, do you want to maybe talk about like, do you miss adult interaction that you got when you were at work? All the time all the time. There's a lot of times that I feel like my brain is going to mush because I'm watching Elmo for the eighth time and I'm singing Itsy Bitsy Spider and I'm not challenging myself in any way whatsoever. Um, And it's almost becoming exhausting when I do try to challenge myself. So when I do try to like read books or read articles or like kind of broaden my horizons, uh, I get tired and I don't want to do it. <laughs> and then another thing that like a friend of mine, um, he has two kids and this was even before Charlie was born. And he's like, I don't know how to talk to parents anymore. I don't know how to talk to adults anymore because I'm so used to talking to children and dealing with children problems that I no longer ha- know how to have a conversation with parents without it being like, or not even parents, like he's saying parents. I don't know how to have a conversation with adults without it being awkward or without it being about my children, which is kind of like the next one that we talk about is like input. What you have is your output. So I think what we were trying to say there is like our input is like, I'm a mom, I'm a mom, I'm a mom. So all I'm outputting is I'm a mom, I'm a mom, I'm a mom. And I don't, have anything other than that. I am more than a mom. However, I don't know how to interact and be more. Yeah. My cousin came over last weekend and, you know, we were sitting outside safely and she was like talking about work and talking about all these things. And I was like, can you stop talking for a second so I can think of something that I have to say? And it was like, all I could think of was nothing except for things having to do with Margo. <laughs> also, she's so young. There's not even really anything to say. She like is sort of starting to smile at things like that's that's like the most that I have to say but like yeah when your input all day is Elmo or breastfeeding or like you don't have a lot to talk about and so it's really hard to have those adult conversations um and yeah I feel like I'm getting dumber which is why I'm glad like like we do this podcast because we have this research component of it and it like forces you to read like Um, I'm also like, I force myself to read every day because it's like, I don't want my brain to turn to mush. Like I'm not a stupid person and I'm not going to like fulfill the stereotype of a stupid housewife. I refuse. So it's like, you have to kind of force yourself. And that's like, reminds me of that, like the flip side of like above when we said like the privilege of only being accounted to accountable to yourself. It's like, if you don't make yourself be like have higher order goals and have things like where you're forcing yourself to read or do intelligent activities, like that's kind of a problem to only be accountable to yourself where it's like, I could, you know, get lazy, not read, be stupid, you know? Yeah. 
watch a lot of mindless TV. Yeah, which which I also do. <laughs> no, and there's no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Nor am I saying there's anything wrong with watching Elmo eight times in a row. Even though, oh my God, I don't think I can watch Elmo eight more times in a row tomorrow. Um, but it's a challenge to sit in a room because, like, yeah, I know my friends want to know about Charlie. Like, I know they want to know about her. But when all I'm spewing out of my mouth is Charlie, 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 like it gets boring and they don't want to hear that. And also I have, I feel like I have nothing interesting to contribute to the conversation. So I just kind of like sink back and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So when you, when your whole sphere is the domestic sphere and you're not out in the public sphere at all, it does, it makes it a lot harder to enter the public sphere in whatever way that manifests in your life. If it's just like a conversation with friends, it's like, and especially if those friends don't have kids um it's like really hard to have conversation with them because suddenly your entire world is different your entire center is different and it's hard to uh communicate with them yeah you have no idea how happy I was when you told me you were pregnant like I was over the moon that you were pregnant but to be like one of my best friends is gonna have a baby like oh my god I was so because I was like I have someone to talk to about this because I'm the only one out of all I mean, that's not true, but like a majority of my close friends, like I'm the only one and it's just like, it gets boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's much easier to talk to you now than it is to talk to my friends without kids. <sighs> so find yourself a mom friend. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Number six, freedom. You can no longer do what you want to do when you want to do it. Yeah. Which seems to kind of conflict with what we were saying above about how you have an open schedule, but it's also like everything you have a little human attached to you. And so um, the more maybe, I guess like what we were thinking about when we put this one down is like, especially more adult activities, right? Like um, you can't just go shopping. Like, like if I go to the store, which again is not only rare because of COVID, but is even more rare because of the baby. Like I can't run to the store and grab stuff because like I got to be back to breastfeed. Like, I, like today I had my postpartum um, OB-GYN appointment and on the way back I was like, ooh, we need groceries. I'm going to stop at the grocery store. And then I like looked at the clock and I was like, no, Margo's got to eat. Like, I don't want to break into the frozen milk. I got I to gotta go home. And so you don't have, because you have the little human um, and you're not like leaving the house to go to work, you can't like sneak things in on your lunch break anymore. It's like, it's the little human is always there. As your little sidekick. I feel like you are 100% more tethered to her than I am um, because of the breastfeeding. Um, but I still feel this, you know, I can't, uh, I can't, for instance, even like trying to record this podcast, I have to be able to know that either Mike's going to be home or I have some kind of sitter situation or God hope that she naps through it because like Charlie right now is not a plop down sleep baby she is into everything I have to keep my eye on her 24 7 I have to entertain her 24 7 so like to try to do something when she's awake is virtually impossible yeah which is not something that we have on here but it's like yeah just to reiterate it's why we call the podcast the seven day work week it's like it's never ending you don't punch out at the end of the day you don't turn the lights off in your office and walk out like it is constant. 
Um, and the only, you know, so-called breaks that you get from your labor are when they're napping um, and when you're sleeping. That's really, that's really it. Um, unless you can finagle some kind of childcare, which sometimes can be like people resent. Like I like, cause Jason will watch Margo when we're recording the podcast or if I have to go to the doctor or something like that. And I'm not saying he resents it, but like, he is also like at work. So it's like, he will be on a conference call. And like, if the baby starts crying while we're recording and he's on a conference call, like we suddenly have a conflict. Um, and so that's not great. You know, it is kind of like, we've taken that job on. So it's like, you got to be really careful about when you're leaning on other people to kind of sub in for you so you can get an hour. I almost want to tread on that lightly though. Like, especially with dads, because it's like, come on now, you're the dad. Like, I love that story you told about um, Matt. Didn't Matt say something? Oh, to Jason? Yeah. Oh my God. So Jason goes, what was it? Matt, like, in my, this is my friend, Matt. He invited us over to do something like Saturday afternoon. And Jason was like, oh, uh, Liz is getting her wisdom teeth pulled um, and I'm babysitting. And my friend, Matt, responded to the text message. I'm pretty sure when you're the dad, that's called parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I brought it up 400 times since. Uh, like, yeah, dude, you're not babysitting. You're the dad. Yeah. Um, but don't you feel like this is like a privilege that you lose where it's like because you've opted out of the workforce and because your partner is the person earning the money that don't you feel bad when you ask them to do primary childcare stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Which you shouldn't. You're right. Like you are the dad. Um, Be part of it. But, right. But it's like the same thing where like, me asking Jason to do chores now around the house, I used to be like, nope, 50-50, feminism forever. We both work. We are both adults. We both take care of the home. Now it's like, I don't really ask him to do that because it's like, this is my job now. This is what we decided. Um, and so it's like, I feel bad asking him to do things around the house or to take care of the baby, yeah. which is maybe path for disaster I don't know let's see we'll see I have started to ask again does does Mike get mad like if you or not mad because I don't I've never seen him be mad he just doesn't seem to be a person who gets mad but does he maybe resent if you ask him to do stuff or say things like you know I worked all day or things like that um, no, I think if it's a really hard day, I kind of forget and he might be like, I worked all day, you know, kind of like a reminder, like I had a shitty day. I need a break kind of thing. Um, but I'm like days off. If it's something like, you know, just helping me unload the dishwasher, it's, you know, I'm not asking for the moon. I'm just asking, you know, like the dishwasher or just change a diaper or, maybe give her lunch, you know, just something to kind of like help off my list. So maybe I can sneak something else in while he's doing that. And, you know, he's good about it. He's great about it. So um, that's not normally a problem. But yeah, the sentence, I worked all day, I'm tired. Yeah, we can say it. But guess what? If she wakes up at midnight, who's she going to want? Me. So my day's going to continue and I'm going to continue working. Um 
yeah, so we don't get the privilege of being like, oh, I'm too tired. I worked all day. Not a thing we get to say anymore. Let's backtrack. Date nights, going out, and not worrying about them when you get a chance to get away. That's not something we have anymore. Date nights, I mean, yeah, COVID, but like date nights, going out, like you got to find a sitter. You got to find a sitter that you're comfortable with. And you yourself have to be comfortable with going out and having the ability to go out. Like you're kind of tethered to Margo still. So going out to dinner, can't imagine that would be easy. No, yeah. You have to like, you know, be really aware of pumping and like have all that going on. Like we went out once. My parents came and made me sad. Um, And I have to say I was wonderful. (laughs) So great. Isn't it Uh, nice? Oh my God. I I couldn't, but you know, it's been the only time in the, you know, two months that she's been alive that we went out and she wasn't there. It was, it was great, but you know, that had to be like a thing arranged and I don't see that happening for another two months. Yeah. It's not easy. And it's getting comfortable with the fact of leaving your baby alone with somebody and um it's not you know before you had kids it was very easy to just be like okay let's go grab dinner let's go to a movie let's even stay out like uh we just went to a comedy show um over the weekend and my parents watched her and 7 30 8 o'clock hit and mike's like we gotta get home i was like it's eight o'clock but it's like oh shit we should probably get home like you don't have that freedom or that sense of just like not caring willy-nilly I don't know which I guess this is all parents though right it's like the ability to have fun late night as an adult like that 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 really goes away or is so limited and so confined flip side we talked about this prior and we said something that's a benefit is we kind of get to let our appearance go but the other side of that is you never get to dress up so you kind of always feel like a bag lady like it kind of it wears on you after a while. I have so many cute dresses where it's like, when am I going to wear that again? Yeah, I, I don't know when I'm going to wear that again because I can't just like put on a cute form-fitting work dress to do the dishes and breastfeed. First of all, not breastfeeding friendly that outfit, but like I, you know, you just you don't get to do that. I, I mean, I love I love clothes, I love dressing up, and so that's like. While I love that I don't have to worry about it, it's something that I miss is putting on a cute outfit and going to work and being cute out in the world. Like, that's just a thing that's kind of gone now. Um, unable to contribute to household finances. Do you feel guilt about that at all? Yeah. And I like think that this is like something where you might like think like, wow, what a privilege. You don't have to worry about earning money. And it's like, it's not 1955. This is not a norm in society. And so especially in American culture where it's like work hard, earn what you have. It's like there's like a deep immense guilt, I think, and like a sense of like, you know, like loss of feminism. Like I just like not contributing to household finances makes me feel dependent. Um, It makes me feel like less of an adult. Um, And it's worrisome. It's like you know, what, what if something happens? What if, what if Jason loses his job or what if, you know, I mean, I I don't know what if one of us gets sick and like all of a sudden the bills are different, like who knows what could happen, but it's like only having that one income and you not being the one that's earning that income may puts you in a vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so that's like, you've, you've lost that. And of course you've chosen that. Um, but, but it's, it's something that you, you are no longer privileged to have like a, a two person income because instead of having two person income and paying for childcare, you've done one person income and childcare. Yeah. I also find myself feeling guilty using that money for things other than like finances, groceries, something on Charlie, like spending that money on me is much harder to do when it's money that my husband is making and it's not money that I'm making. Yeah. Which is actually like both number 11 and 12 for 11. We have, you lose that like self-care stuff, like getting a massage or getting your nails done. And like number 12, we have not buying yourself things where it's like, because that money is not your own personal money that came with a paycheck with your name at the top. I think it can be really easy to feel weird about getting a manicure. Yeah. Which can be like, not only just like, I want to have a manicure. It like makes me feel good. And like, I want to have it and I like it, but it's like, do we really need this? We're living on a budget. No, this is not a necessity. And so you give up some of those things, but there is that like, not only that just like luxury aspect, but like how luxury can relate to self-care and making you feel like a special person. Um, any like self-care stuff that enters into purchasing things kind of has to go by the wayside. Yeah. Um, you can do self-care that's free. Like, I don't know, focusing on your breathing. I was always more of a buying myself a handbag kind of self-care girl, but you know, it's not, <laughs> you can't do that anymore. It's been an adjustment. It's hard to work your entire adult life. And then all of a sudden, and again, cause we're privileged, we chose this. We're no longer um, having to work, which is great. But yeah, it is just this weird shift to be like, oh, although this is my money, it's our money. I shouldn't even say it's my money. It's our money. We're married. It's our account. I still have guilt being like, I'm going to go spend, you know, X amount of money and go get some clothes. I don't think Mike cares. Like if I think I was like, okay, I'm going to take $50. I'm going to go buy clothes. He'll be like, okay, fine. I don't think he cares whatsoever. It's more me because, yeah, I've always worked. I've always worked for everything. So to not have that income is weird. Weird. So, yeah, so that's our, that we got through the privilege list and the kind of loss of privilege list. And I just, just to kind of reframe why I think this is important. It's like, you know, there's these constant, um, like, mommy wars things that are going on and like these battles of like you know oppression olympics and who has it harder the working moms or the stay-at-home moms and it's like i just think like a productive way to have this conversation is to say okay these are the things that i have as a working as a stay-at-home mom these are my privileges um but these are also the things that i gave up no longer being in the working world and that like you know, that dignity you get, that respect that you get of being a working mom, it kind of, it's, you, you lose all of that. Um, and so there's, there's your, there's, there's both sides to it. And the only way that we can like stop this like constant mom shaming and like sort of uh, battling with each other is to acknowledge like, these are my privileges and you know, these are yours. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's perfectly put. I don't think there's really anything else I could add. I think that's really everything we have to say for the week. We are on Instagram and Twitter at 7dayworkweekpod. So please follow us there and comment and interact with us and let us know like 
what are some privileges you have? What are some privileges you feel you have lost? Um, we love to hear from you guys. And then we're also on all major uh, podcast platforms. You just have to search the seven day work week and we will pop up. We um, come out with a new episode every Friday. So yeah, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.